Hi everyone, Wynn Claybaugh here. This week's podcast features celebrity stylist Jason Schneidman, who styles superstars like Bruno Mars, Rob Lowe, James Corden, Hugh Jackman, and many more. Although Jason could use connections to benefit himself, he uses his power to shine a light on the drug-addicted homeless. Jason firmly believes that a haircut can change a life, and his mission is all about creating second chances for anyone willing to do the work. Sit back and get ready to be moved, inspired, and motivated. And if you enjoy this interview as much as I did, please share it with your friends. Then head over to masterspodcastclub.com and sign up for our mailing list. Hey everybody, Wynn Claybaugh here and welcome to this wonderful, wonderful issue of Masters. You know, if, if all of us just relax and surrender and listen, there's all kinds of messages coming at us and coming to us at every moment and I'm trying to trust that process more and more, or I am trusting that process more and more, which is how I came across this guy that I'm sitting with right now uh, through my husband, George who follows Jason on his social media and has been talking about you and says, when it's time that you meet this guy, we got to track this guy down. And I can't remember, how did I finally get to you? I think maybe I sent you an email through your website or maybe a message. I messaged you through Facebook. I don't know, but but immediately you responded. And now less than a couple of weeks here, we are sitting here. Yeah. You say yes instantly, don't you? I'm a yes dude. I've been taught to be a yes dude and, uh, I sift through everything that's sent to me and I follow up and uh, like you taking a chance on, you know, hearing my story, I do that to everybody else. Hmm. Oh, by the way, I'm sitting here with Jason Schneidman. So <laughs> welcome, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> so Jason is a hairdresser, but our audience, Jason, just so you know, is not just the hairdressing community. There have subscribers all over the world who have nothing to do with the beauty industry, but I seek out people who have messages that are universal and yours absolutely falls into that category. But the story that you have to share is unique. I think everybody loves hairdressing stories anyway. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Don't you find that, that that's the case? I mean, it's I, like you, you just told me a, a story that you're sitting at the Grammys backstage at the Grammys, right? Yeah. And who's standing next to the host? A hairdresser, you, the yeah. hairdresser. Yeah, I've ended up in some pretty amazing places, uh, and I had no idea when I started to do beauty school in 1984 that I would be where I'm at today. Well, just to hook people in right away, you are part of the, is it the Late Show or the Late Late Show with James Gordon? Yeah, so I do the Late Late Show four nights a week. I met James four years ago when he came over here from the U.K., and I uh, basically got him ready for the upfronts, which is something you do to sell a TV show. And I was told that this guy had a uh, talk show, didn't know who he was. He was a celebrity over in, in London. But uh, I Googled him and I was like, okay. And I showed up and I got him ready. And I've gotten pretty fast over the years. So he was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Will you do my show with me? And I didn't know what that entailed. And I'm a yes guy. So I said yes. And then I said, we'll look into it. And uh, it's been a life changer. The guy's amazing. Such a sweet, funny, amazing, giving person. And my life completely changed. I'm in the union now. And I'm able to provide for my family. I got a wife and two kids and uh, benefits. And it's almost like a second job. And I get to go there for a couple hours and uh, – knockout skits and carpool karaoke's and all kinds of stuff and it's just a, a truly a blessing we saw him uh Coldplay pulled him oh, up on stage at the Coldplay right. concert yep. and he sang with Coldplay I was, it was pretty talking cool. about a yes funny guy yeah. yeah he'll do he'll do it he's he'll hilarious it. yeah he's great good for you yeah so fun and also just so our because I think our a couple of people asked me to ask you about this if you were the person who talked Bruno Mars into putting curters in his hair for Uptown Funk. So I did not talk him into it. He is creative as all can be, and I'm not going to curse, but there right. would have been a curse word there. But yeah, so he, it was his idea. He is, you know, a leader and <laughs> a creative person. So he was like, I want to do curlers. And I was like, just so happens. 
I can knock curlers out in two minutes flat <laughs> because I was in beauty school next to Leisure World, which was like an old folks place. And those were our clients when I was in beauty school. And that's what we did all day. We sat there and rolled up perms and roller sets. And I was like, when am I going to ever use this? And it came in handy. <laughs> How many years later you finally get to use yeah, roller? 25 years later, I'm knocking it out. And I went from a pompadour into uh, rollers and then back to a pompadour all in 20 minutes flat because we had For to reshoot. shoot of the yeah. Uptown Fun. Uptown Fun. Yeah. And you also uh, Hugh Jackman. You've been on the road with Hugh Jackman, and so you you got quite the celebrity clientele. Yeah, uh, Hugh was one of the first people I started working with. He, Chris McMillan, who does Jennifer Aniston's hair, who's known for the Rachel, which right. is a famous From hairstyle. Oh, yeah. yeah, and uh, I worked under Chris, and he's been a mentor for me. He actually played a big part in my sobriety, which we'll get into later, I'm sure. But he was working with Hugh. Chris got sick. Hugh needed somebody and Chris was like, dude, I need you to show up. And I flew to Miami and did a a thing with Hugh and I came in and knocked it out and I ended up being the second go-to for Hugh. And then me and Chris, that's happened with a lot of his clients. I was able to just kind of ride his coattails and catch the runoff. So what you're saying is you're poisoning Chris McMillan so he's sick and you get called in. Is that what you're trying to tell us here? (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. I can (laughs) – my clientele. There you go. Don't – You worked with Chris McMillan, what, 18 years now? Yeah. We started working 18 years ago. I showed up and didn't pick up a scissor after – I'd already been a hairstylist, but – I had to get humble and sit there and just listen and watch. Yeah, and uh, sometimes that's what it takes, and I'm so grateful that I did it. This interview is absolutely not going to be about your celebrity clientele, but you know, I got to hook people in. Good, because we have all kinds of wonderful things that we have to talk about. Well, that we get to talk about. It's interesting you said that because my celebrity clientele gets people to show up to my service events. There you go. So it's a good hook. You also, I I watched a couple of clips of you on Doctors, the Doctor Show, also on Dr. Phil. Yeah. So you're you're making the rounds. Yeah. Trying to carry this message of service and uh, helping out the homeless and addicts here in Los Angeles and all over the world. I mean, I travel to do hair uh, stuff for people, uh, grooming. And I'll bring my stuff and I'll head out to different cities when I'm there, New York, Houston. Uh, I was up in Vancouver and did some cuts. So just on my off time, I'll run out on the street and start talking to some people. Well, other celebrities include Dustin Hoffman, David Foster, Jimmy Fallon, Mel Gibson, Owen Wilson, Rob Lowe, Robert Pattinson, uh, Liam Neeson. That's a kind of a nice list there you got. Editorial. Magazines include Entertainment Weekly, Glamour, GQ, Men's Health, all kinds of things. Uh, It's crazy. I would have never thought a $5 haircut back in the day to get a pack of cigarettes would turn into all of this. So so listening to this now or reading this or hearing this, what does that make you feel like to, to think that it was hairdressing that took you to where you are today? And again, there you are. You told me before we started recording, there you are. When James is hosting the Grammys, you're the only person. It's his hairdresser standing next to him, and he's introducing you to Adele and to all kinds of people. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy. It wasn't I, his attorney standing next to him. It's his yeah, hairdresser. Right. So no. you know, I, I got to I got involved with uh, Betty White and Dolly Parton mm-hmm. to work with our fundraising campaigns. Like, yeah. oh, do you call their agent? I'm like, no, I call their hairdresser. <laughs> Agent's job is to say, no, Betty's not available. I call the hairdresser. Oh, I can get the Betty. It's crazy. <laughs> my, my contact list and the connections which I use to just help others. It's crazy. Like uh, the other day I connected James with one of my clients, the guy that owns Sprinkles Cupcakes, Mm -hmm. and he started a new pizza place. I think it's called Pizza Anna. Mm -hmm. And James is like, I love that place. And I'm like, I think they're opening a new one. And I was the guy that put the – the connection together and James wrote a check and now he's partners in in a pizza place because of me. There you go. Now you grew up in uh, Southern California. Mm -hmm. You're a surfer. Yep. Kind of a rebellious type. For sure. Tell us your story and then we'll get into the the addiction story, which is going to be a big part of this or it's going to be a part of this. 
And it's the recovery and what you're doing with your recovery that's the main message of this incredible interview that we get to do today, Jason. Okay, so I'll break it down. Since I was real young, I was the creative type and the rebellious type. My parents took me around the world a bit, and I was seeing different places and different styles, and I gravitated to styles. I was in Washington Square Park in New York, and I would see these guys breakdancing, and they'd be wearing slippers. And then I'd come back to my little sleepy town here in Seal Beach, Orange County area, and I'm like, this is the next new stuff. We need to wear these slippers. And then everybody was like calling me slippers because I was wearing these slippers. And I'm like, you guys just wait. And then sure enough, you know, eight months later, everybody's breakdancing wearing these slippers. So I was the guy real young that would uh, come back to my town and change me and, and all my friends' styles. So people would look at us and we would be able to hook up with girls. And it was working. And I had a pair of clippers and I would go for it. And all my friends would try it out and it was working. But then what happened was I spent all my time in the water from 12 to 20. And all I cared about was surfing. And uh, I wasn't going to school. I wasn't a good student. You know, I had that ADHD type of personality where it was hard to focus. And I did, if I'm not into something, I'm not doing it. And uh, – English and geography and math, that stuff didn't interest me. It was really difficult to be in school. So I was ditching school and then I got hooked on, you know, smoking weed and then it ended up being cocaine. And uh, I had barely graduated high school and both of my parents were in the service industry. My mom is a physical therapist that worked with stroke patients and my dad is a high school biology teacher. And so I had a great upbringing and I was really connected with them and they're still married and they cared about me and I felt like I had to show them that I wasn't a complete scumbag. So I was always faking it, you know, and uh, my senior year of high school, I was taught that I could sign out on my own. And I had a Volkswagen bug with surf racks on top and I was surfing and I was signing out and I failed my English class my senior year of high school. And the woman's like, I really love you, but I just can't pass you. And I'm like, yeah, and I try to schmooze and I could schmooze my way through everything, you know. But this last senior year, she was like, I just can't do it because you haven't been here. And I was like, I got no answer to that. So I, I didn't get to walk with my class and graduate and I had to take summer school. But my, that was a turning point in my life because my parents were like, what are you going to do with yourself? And I said, I'll just go to City College with all my friends. And they're like, school? You don't go to school now. Why would you go to more school? Why don't you pick a profession and we'll pay for it? And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And they said, why don't you do hair? You do all your friend's hair. You're into style and I see you cutting your friend's hair. And I was like, no way. Everyone's going to think I'm gay. This was 1984. Mm -hmm. This was a different era. There, it wasn't cool for dudes to be doing hair. You know what I mean? And I'm like, so my sister gave me a pep talk and, you know, you got to get over this uh, sexual, what's it called? Uh, homophobic. Homophobic. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, and so I was like, okay. And I went to hair school and there was 30 girls and I was the only dude. And so I was worked out for you. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and lunch break and the break room and I won't get into it. But it was it was game time. Right. And the other thing I noticed was everybody was surrounding me going, how did you do that? Because a lot of these people weren't used to using clippers or whatever. And, and I you had already been using them for yeah. years. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, this is cool. I'm getting attention from all ends. No pun intended. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, – I went to hair school and I continued to ditch and surf and I got kicked out of five hair schools and it was a year program. It took me five years and when I graduated, I still didn't see myself as being a hairstylist and I continued to go on and I moved down to San Diego and I was selling drugs and I was doing nightclubs and I was keeping myself afloat because I'm a survivor and it was great and, and it was a party and it was – 10 years of partying. I always say that I took my re retirement, my first 30 years of my life, because I didn't really work. Mm. And then what happened, the wheels fell off. 
and I had a, a drug addiction problem. I found crack cocaine and the cocaine wasn't strong enough. I, I started smoking it and I would disappear and everybody was like, where did Jason go? And I had to get sober because the cops were coming for me, you know, psychosis. People were coming for me that didn't even exist. I was losing my mind. I didn't look good. I didn't care about style. I didn't care about surfing. And I was like, I need to get out of here. So I came back up to my parents' house at 30 and I said, I'm going to go legit. I'm going to be a hairstylist. And I put both feet in the boat and I got sober and I met Chris McMillan at a meeting and my mentor at the time who was helping with sobriety said that dude does Jennifer Aniston's hair. And I walked up to him and I said, Hey, I heard you're the man. I want to come work for you. And he's like, how much time sober you got? And I was like a week. And he's like, come back and talk to me when you get some time. And I put together six months and I came back and he's like, Oh, I remember you. Yeah. You're kind of cute. And I was like, cool. Does that mean I got the job? (laughs) And he said, you can come work for me one day a week. And I did. And I stood there and I worked and, and then there was a turn. I ended up, he left to go do a movie. And after a year of working with him, I went back to work with a bunch of guys that did, we were at another salon in Beverly Hills and they were the bad boys. They worked with Boomba Mancini and Mickey Rorick and it was called Giuseppe Franco's. And I worked with these guys at a different salon and I was sober and they were partiers and I was like, bro, you don't know how I do it. And they're like, well, you know, and I, and I showed them how I do it. And within four months, I was hooked back on crack cocaine and I had relapsed and I was calling Chris McMillan salon going, I need to come back. It was my best part of my life. When I was with you guys, I was, I never felt better. And they're like, sorry, we got nothing for you. And then his, uh, the front desk called and they said, Chris needs you Monday morning. Can you be here? And it was Saturday. And I was like, absolutely. And Sunday night at actually Sunday night, I was smoking crystal meth and I was doing crack cocaine and I was drinking and I had to be there Monday morning at seven 45. Cause his first client got there at eight. And at seven 30, I took my last crack hit seven 30 in the morning And I called a taxi and I jumped in the shower and I thought I was going to have a heart attack and my heart was jumping out and these people were coming for me. I was looking through the shower door and the shadows were coming and I put two cigarettes behind my ear and I put my Clinique bronzer on my face because I was a, a shade of green and purple and I put the bronzer on. I did my hair and I got in the taxi and my jaw was going and my tongue was chewed up and I got to Chris McMillan's salon and I come walking up the courtyard and Chris and the manager who was also sober, who was just tatted down, they watched me walk up and they were just laughing at me. And they're like, Oh my God, where's the rest of you? And Chris was also who'd smoked crack. And he was like, dude, when did you take the last hit? Thinking I might say a couple days ago or yesterday, I looked at my watch and I said 15 minutes ago. And they were like, no way. Oh, my God. And they're like, get him a breakfast burrito. He, we need to feed him. So they did all this for me. And I mean, any other boss would say, you need to go. You can't be here today. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they were sober and they knew sobriety and that – they didn't give up and it was like, keep coming back. It works if you work it type thing. So they said, okay, go shampoo Matthew Perry. And that was Chris's first client. And I had the jaw was going and the tongue was going. I looked like one of those tweakers you see in a video and I'm over there shaking. And I'm like, can I get through this haircut or this shampoo? And I put Matthew Perry in the chair. He doesn't look at me. I scrub his head. I hope he doesn't look up. I put him in Chris's chair. I pulled it off. I went out to the courtyard. I sat down. I took the cigarette out of my ear. I sparked it up and I looked at Chris McMillan cutting Matthew Perry through the window. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like at five o'clock, I'm going to make $100 from tips from the the people. And I'm going to get $100 from Chris McMillan cash. And at six o'clock, I'll be back down on Western and Santa Monica Boulevard and I'll be able to get my crack. And I had that burning bush moment where I was like, that's not why I came back here. I came here to get sober and I put out the cigarette and I ran in and right in front of Matthew Perry and Chris McMillan, I said, Chris, I got a proposition for you. And he was like, what's going on? 
And I, I said, if you take me to that rehab that you went to, which was a gnarly behavior modification rehab, I said, if you take me there and you pay for my first month because I had exhausted every other fund. My parents were done. Everybody was done with me at this point. And I said, if you pay for my first month, which was $1,500, I'll work it off for 15 days because he was paying me $100 a day. And he said, hold on a second. And he called the uh, Liberty House and he said, hey, I got this guy. He's serious. He's going to die. He's 130 pounds. And he said, can I get him in there? And they said, sorry, we're full. And he's like, no, you got to understand this is Chris McMillan and this guy needs help. He's serious. And they said, if you can have him here at five o'clock on the dot for dinner, because we have a meeting at five o'clock, we'll take him in and we'll put him on the couch. And Chris was like, oh, great. And hung up the phone and looked at his schedule. And at 445, he had Meg Ryan as a client. And he's like, I can't do it. He's like, I have to be here for Meg. And he said, hold on a second. And he called Meg and he said, Meg, I got this guy. I need to take him in. Can we reschedule? And he rescheduled Meg Ryan. And he drove me to rehab. First, we stopped at the Rite Aid and grabbed some Ambisol for my tongue. And I opened it up in the store. And he's like, dude, you can't open that in here. What are you stealing? Oh, my God. And I'm like, bro, I got money. I'm paid for this. But I put it on my tongue, took me to rehab, 2-24-04, February 24, 2004. I checked into Liberty House, and I've been sober ever since, 14 years sober. And uh, – he paid for my first month. I actually worked it off 15 days. So I got my foot back in the door at Chris McMillan. And then, uh, my sponsor paid for the second month and then I was able to pay him back and I was able to make enough money doing hair and I've been sober ever since. And, uh, so <laughs> originally I was going to ask you how bad did it get? Yeah. And I, you just shared with us. It, yeah. it was bad. It was really bad. I mean, I have some crazy stories that would definitely scare any, me. Any of us that are clean. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. We all have those uh, stories that are pretty bad, pretty scary. Yeah. Drunk logs. It's a miracle that we're even alive. 100%. Oh. Yeah. Super grateful. And You're married now. Married. I met my wife. In the salon, she does hair also, okay. and uh, I met her at a year and a half of sobriety, and I went up and I said, you're kind of cute, and she said, you're kind of cute, and I was like, whoa, that's all I needed was a little, a little <laughs> interest. Yeah. First, first woman that says you're cute, you marry her. Oh, my God, <laughs> and, uh, and now I have two beautiful kids, a five-year-old son, his name's Hobie, and Lennon is seven. And it's my daughter, and it's the best thing ever. And uh, married and was able to, I mean, check it out, 34 years old when Chris McMillan, when I met him, I had warrants for my arrest. I had bad credit. I had nothing. I was done. And I, uh, I thought life had passed me up. And in this 14 years, I've been able to get married, buy a house, and have a family. And I thought that life had passed me up. So, yeah, it's truly a blessing that mm -hmm. I'm here talking to you and that mm -hmm. I am able to be comfortable in my skin and not have to drink and use anything. And I can still have fun Jeez. and create. So when you were working with uh, Chris McMillan, yes. you said that originally it was one day a week. What was he having you do that one day a week? I guess what I'm looking for now is we're going to send out a message to those who are in beauty school right now. Of what it takes. We said the story that what you learned in roller sets and rolling up perms back in 1984 eventually served you well in the Bruno's Mars video. So yeah. I, I mean, everything along the road, I didn't know. Like, whenever I'm in charge of something, I'm in the way of, I think, God's will. And it's interesting because – the only one that can mess something up is me. But but the working for Chris McMillan was just more substance to what made me who I am today as far as a hairstylist goes. Because I picked up stuff from 18, 1984 in hair school from an instructor. I picked up stuff from the first hair salon that I worked at in 1988 from a woman who did a haircut. I picked up something from a woman that I worked at the Giuseppe Salon and I picked up stuff from Chris. And in beauty school, I picked up just the 
picture of the face that we were doing makeup on because that was a part of cosmetology. You had to learn how to do makeup and I was not going to do makeup in, you know what I mean? In 1988 when I was at hair school, but I went on to, and I remembered, I processed that thing about the T zone, you know, where you put the powder. And so five years ago, I had to, all these celebrities wanted me to do their camera on camera work and the studios wouldn't hire a hair stylist and a makeup artist for a guy. Right. And that's when men's grooming started to blossom. And I was like, so you were hired yeah. to do their hair. Yeah. But before they were going on camera, there was no makeup artist to finish the, the look. No. So women are allowed, the production will pay for a woman to have a hairstylist and, and, a, makeup and a makeup artist. Hmm. But for a man, you have to have a groomer, a okay. men's groomer. Got it. So I actually got asked by these guys to start doing production work. And I was like, I just can't do it because I don't do makeup. Production work means? Means traveling the world and doing press for... The X-Men. Okay. Okay. So we go from city to country to everywhere and he's got to be on camera. Right. And he's, you know, pale or he's got dry skin or whatever it may be grooming related. I had to learn how to do that. And guys, we get shiny. So I figured out how to put powder on. And I was taught that in beauty school, but I wasn't present to that. <laughs> so five you, years you ago. You kind of missed that day. Maybe? Yeah, I kind of missed that. <laughs> But anyways, I tell you this story because I had an agent that was trying to send me on these gigs, right? And I didn't have the makeup side of things. So what I did, I walked into a Mac store and I said, I walked in and all these girls were like, what's this dude doing in here, right? And they all swarmed me and I was like, hey, I needed to learn how to do men's makeup. And they said, men's makeup? What's men's makeup? And I was like, okay, good. That's a good sign. Right. So I said, the only one. Yeah. So I said, you know, like maybe we'll use some powder and I'm like, I need to put a a kit together. And so what I did was I, uh, I said, okay, hand me some powder, hand me some stuff for a black dude. I just wanted to cover all my bases, you know? And, and so I put this kit together and they showed me, I was like, do you remember the chart? And they're like, Oh, we have that with the picture of the faith. And I'm like, let's review that. Can you show me? And so we did this all together. And I was like, do you got a masculine makeup bag? And I saw this box up at the top. There was a black box and I was like, I'll take it. And I walked out of the store with $500 in a black box and I walked out. And, and, and your training and education. Huh? Yeah. And I called, my agent and I said I, I went to makeup school and I'm ready to do men's grooming <laughs> an hour at the max store was my makeup school yeah wow. and she bought it and they she sent me on this job and my first job was what, what? Owen Wilson <laughs> and I showed up and he's I was like oh yeah your hair I got this and I knocked it out and he was tripping he was like oh my god this is great and he just got back from Hawaii because he lives there and he was super tan. I was like, bro, you look great. And he's like, yeah, I don't think I need makeup. I'm like, no, nope, don't need makeup. <laughs> and it was a movie with Jack Black and uh, Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. And it was like this bird watching movie. And I sat at the monitor and the other groomers that did Jack and, and Steve, they were standing there. And I was like, wow, your dude looks really good. What would you use on him? And they were like, I used this uh, Viziora number three. And I'm like, can I get a picture of that? And I was like, how did you use it? And they're like, oh, you put a little moisturizer here. And I continued to do that to every gig I was sent on. And I don't have anything in that Mac thing except a couple brushes, you know. But I've basically just poached from all these groomers that were really – giving to uh, help me. And that's how I was taught. And But the thing goes back to when I was young about being into the fashion and making sure that things are done right and not overdone. And shapes and all of that stuff are very important to me. And that's why I think I do good men's haircuts and people love the grow out because I take all that into consideration. But even with makeup, I don't want a dude looking like he's got makeup on. Right. And so I'm really like light handed and, and I try and ride that line of like really natural. And then I, I really got good at doing makeup when I started doing James Corden four nights a week because it's like now I'm doing now it you all do the time. his hair and his makeup. Yeah. Right. Makeup. It's wow. men's grooming. And it, what's funny is when I started doing men's grooming, I searched, I was trying to brand myself because I'm like, I'm going to stop doing women. I'm just going to do guys. And uh, 
people were like, you can't make money just doing guys. And I was like, yeah, I can. I'm like, check it out. You're making two fifty a haircut doing women's hair and it takes you an hour. I'm going to do men's haircuts for one twenty five, and I'll do two in an hour. And it's the same price as you, you watch. And I did it. And that's when I started uh, doing just men. And then I was searching online and, and Instagram and Twitter. And I found uh, the men's groomer was open on every level. And I branded it and I branded myself as the men's groomer and I trademarked it and everywhere is just the men's groomer. And now I started a little product line, which actually is going to be awesome because I'm going to use proceeds to help fund these street cuts that I'm doing, which I already started. I've, I've donated to this place that I went through. It's the same structure as Liberty House. It's called Awakening. And part of my proceeds from the products are going in to help nonprofit fund this rehab. I have all kinds of questions. Shoot. When you said uh, doing things right, what does that mean to you? Mm. Well, doing things right is about a man. And, and I talk about it in its art for me. And it's like a man looks at his hair in the morning and he shouldn't spend more than a couple minutes styling it. Okay, if something's not done right, it's going to take him a lot longer to style that area. So what I do is I pull out the hair and I make sure that in everywhere you put it, a good haircut styles itself. So wherever the hair is going, it needs to look good. So that's doing it right. Like I spoke of of the makeup, like I don't want it to look cakey. I don't want them to look shiny and I definitely don't want them to look too matte. So that's doing it right. When I build my house and decorate my house. It's like there's a flow and it's got to be done right. My truck outside, I get to design it. You know, I have the right wheels. I have the right, what's it called? The footboard on the side. I don't even know what it's called. The, uh, the running board. I, I, I just get to do things right. You know, when I surf, I studied style, whose style I like and what works for me. And, and I definitely don't want to be bent over weird. So I'm, I'm in tune to doing things right for me. How, how do people do things wrong in your opinion? Are they just, they're not doing the research. They're just lazy. They don't take pride in it. What, what are the mistakes that people are making? Okay. Not to break my arm, patting myself on the back, but I feel like style is something you're born with. And I mean, you look at James Dean and Steve McQueen, you know, and those are my, you know, mentors, I guess. Uh, it's just, you know, some people have it and some people don't. So, yeah, do your research. And But I think it's too much like today I showed up and when you have all black on and you look incredible and you had a cheetah sport jacket. <laughs> and it's just perfect because it was one pop. You didn't do the cheetah sport jacket, the red belt, and the Doc Martin with the red, you know, Oh, you missed the red hat that I had on in the... Oh, yeah? No, I didn't. I I think it was the Santa hat. Is my makeup over there? It was the Santa hat. Am I okay? okay. You look great. Okay, good. good. You look great. Not too shiny. What would you do with my hair? Um, I would... (laughs) (laughs) I think we're we're at a loss here, buddy. You would... You would uh, would go out of business is what you would do. You did the right thing. So at what point did you stop cutting women's hair? Okay, so I was trained by Chris McMillan and uh, I got really good at women's hair and I worked and did that for about 10 Color years. Color as well. Oh yeah. So I was, I assisted Andy LeCompte who mm, did, yeah. uh, did yeah. Madonna's hair yeah. and I worked with uh, Amanda from the Neil George salon who did every blonde and uh, I assisted her for a while and I, I'm good at hair color. I think I'd like to do it right. So I learned how to do it right. And, uh, and I can still color hair. My wife is amazing at coloring, at, at blow drying. My wife does Jennifer Aniston's hair now. Mm-hmm. She did uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's hair for a movie. She's worked with Reese. She does Mariska Hargitay. She stopped doing hair for uh, seven years, and she's been raising our children. But now she's doing hair part-time. Her and Chris McMillan are splitting uh, this new morning show with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. And uh, she's doing Jennifer Aniston's hair. But she can literally color her own hair. So it's like the 10,000-hour rule. I'm sure you've heard about the 10,000 oh, hours. So I learned – I interviewed uh, Peter Vidmar who's been 
decorated with more gold medals in the gymnastics world than anybody else. And he, he talks a lot about 10,000. Yeah. Like calculating, have I spent 10,000 hours in the gym? Oh, yeah, absolutely, I have. Yeah, you master something. Yeah. And I spent 10,000 hours hair coloring. My wife has. I've spent 10,000 hours doing makeup now. That's funny because that was yeah. the, the next question that I had written down to ask you about people who want it instantly. Yeah. So the, well, I, I met Jason at the school today, and he shook my hand, and so I could be doing Bruno Mars's hair tomorrow. Yeah. What, what, what's what's your advice? Well, the people that, that want it so quickly. I've seen. They call people, it the microwave generation. They want yeah. it instantly. It's a turnoff. First of all, it's a turnoff. <laughs> uh, I mean, the you gotta pay your dues. I mean, some people are really, really fast and great, like Dom Dom hair who's on Instagram, who's a friend of mine, who's got 500,000 followers, and he assisted Chris McMillan. He assisted Christina Roche. He assisted Andy LeCompte. And within two years, he's killing it. And now he's, he's longer. He's been doing it longer. But I could say within two years, he had it and he's got it. And if you check out his Instagram, Dom Dom Hair, I'm sure all the mm. hair people already follow him. But mm. he gets it. But – uh you know, I get assistants that come in and they're uh, what's the word? Eager is okay. Uh, <laughs> that's a, very that's ambitious okay. <laughs> is the way to say it. I like that. They're very ambitious, and it's a turnoff. And you have to like get humble, you know. And that's what I did with Chris. Even doing hair from '88 to 2000. You know, my version of doing hair, which was cutting my friend's hair and and hair schools, five different hair schools. But I had to get humble and uh, that working with Chris was just standing and I didn't pick up a scissor. And it was actually interesting how he found out that I could even cut hair because I had worked with him. But what happens, he would be at meetings and he'd be seeing guys with haircuts and he's like, oh, nice haircut. Who did your hair? And he's like, this guy, Jason. And he's like, oh, yeah. He works for me. And so he had found out that I could do hair not even <laughs> from being in the salon, from being at, at meetings of recovery. Mm. Wow. I guess define it like because they want to know. Well, you tell me I can't be ambitious. I thought ambitious was a good thing. What, well, you said they got to be humble. They yeah, got to be teachable. I mean, they got to. Yes. Be open because you don't know where you're going to end up. And I didn't know. And just being a yes person is the key. Being yourself is the key. Being early is the key. (laughs) Being of service, opening up doors and constantly reading the room. Reading the room is huge. Like I feel, okay. So when I'm doing my grooming jobs, there's way more to it than just the hair and makeup because you have to know when somebody is looking at their phone, doing an email, not to talk and ask them a question, right? You need to know when they're in their trailer and it's quiet and you're going to just sit and disappear. You know what I mean? So you, there's times when you need to read the room and I can, I've always been a chameleon where I can hang out with the heavy metalers. That's what it was back in the day Mm -hmm. at the bike racks. You know what I mean? Or I can hang out with the football jocks or I can hang out with the surfer crew and I can hang out with the drama crew. I was a chameleon. I can hang out. So when you learn when to shine and when to pull back is really important. And so, you know, being ambitious and being eager is great, but knowing when to be humble is really important. And it's tough because when you get good at something, you want to be like, Hey, check me out over here, you know, but, uh, there's times for it and you'll be able to do it. What what, what do you think about people who, they have 20,000 Instagram followers, but not one paying customer, but they think, look at me, I've made it. Um, so they made it on social media, but yeah. that um, doesn't th- always translate into money in your pocket. Yeah. I think it's great if you can show there's a reason why you have a lot of Instagram followers. And I think that what's next, you know what I mean? It's like, cool. You conquered that. What's, okay, next? what's next? Yeah. That's not the end all. And some people no, think that's I'm, the end all. Yeah. I'm constantly pushing myself on the daily. And the other thing I've noticed is when I put something out into the universe, it's come true. What do you mean? I 
was like manifesting, Hey, I need to get sober. And I, and I did, and I did the work and Hey, I need to clean up my credit. And it felt like it would never happen. And I had to wait and I had to do the work to clean up my credit. I felt like I wanted to buy a house and I didn't know how to do that. And I continued to show up to work and I made money and I had a client that was sitting in my chair that was a mortgage broker. And then I had a client that was a real estate agent. <laughs> Sit and, in your chair. And, 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 <laughs> and, and I've learned that delegating and asking for help is the way that I learn, you know? And so I was like, really? So how do I get a loan or what am I eligible for? And they're like, if you make 60 grand a year, you can get a $500,000 loan but you got to do it for two years. And I was like, cool. And so I, I set my goal and I said, I'm going to do this. And then it happened and it shows up, the house shows up mm. and I'm like, Oh, I can't believe this happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, what's next. And now, you know, I was like, I want to be a celebrity hairstylist. And I was like, show up to the right place, do the work, do what's in front of me, take the action. And it showed up. And I was like, what's next? And I'm like, I want to have a family. Okay, great. Showed up. Next, what's next? I want to start a product line. Working on that now. It's great. The uh, service work that I do, that was something that was what's next. And that was conducive on my sobriety and staying sober. So that was a very important what's next. And, it, and you know what? I'll tell you. It didn't come easy because I'm not that kind of person naturally. I'm not a saint. I'm a what do you mean you're not, you're not the – it's I'm not naturally part of who you are to, no. to give back and to think no. of others. Dude, look at my story, bro. It's <laughs> been a rebellion. It's been about what can I have? What can I get? What do I want? Right. Okay? And you know what? What I thought I needed and what I wanted is two different things. But what I thought would fix me, the car, the house, all this stuff, it leaves me a bit empty. What really fixes me is the joy of giving. And, you know, I was always one that liked to receive. And I found that by giving, I get to feel amazing and I get to sleep with a smile every night and I get to stay sober. Well, let's get into that because yeah. you, 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 what, what you say is, and it's on your t-shirts even, it's your tagline is that a haircut can change people's lives. Yes. It saves people's lives. And you also talk about how that's what keeps you sober. The reason why you're on the street cutting hair and talking to homeless people and hearing their stories and giving them advice and providing resource for them is is maybe for selfish reasons, but selfish in a good way. It keeps yeah. us sober. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Well, early in, in recovery. And by the way, you don't have to be that, – that, that can't be what you're chasing, i.e. sobriety. People are chasing happiness or they're, they're chasing – how to fix their marriage. They're chasing something, how to forgive themselves, how to forgive mom and dad. And, and sometimes the solution to all of those things or to any of those things is of service. Give me yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, seriously, from the minute I wake up, my head's going and it is like, Oh my God, am I going to be okay today? I have to meet with this wind guy. It's all the way down South. Am I going to be on time? Am I going to be good enough? Like it's just loud. My head is loud. And why? Because I'm in self. I'm thinking of myself. When I get out of self, I'm, I have no problems. So that is one of the reasons. That's like, so can I stay in that a lot and feel good? <laughs> yes. If I do a lot of service, I get to feel really good. So I've tapped into that. But early in recovery, I was taught that, that method. Um, my life got really full. And it was all about what I can get and work, okay? And I, you know, I shifted my addiction and it became work was feeding me, you know, and making me feel good. And then like everything else that I put in my body or obsess over or do too much of, it stops giving me enjoyment. So I was taught I need to be of service to stay sober and being real busy doing hair is great. I have to provide for my family, but at the same time, I need to give back. And a lot of people go and help people in recovery in order to give back. And I wanted to continue to do that. And I did that early on in my recovery. When I got super busy, I wasn't able to do as much. And I realized in my profession, I have the best of both worlds. I can do hair and I can be of service. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm on the street, 
I soften my heart a bit because I'm listening and I'm out of self. And I also am looking for addicts that are sick and tired of being sick and tired. So tell me the first time that you decided I'm going to hit the streets. I'm I'm, going to go find an addict on the street and I'm going to ask them if they want a haircut. When did that happen and what did that look like? What did that feel like? Okay. So a lot of the things I've been saying that I've, I've been trained through me driving into situations and then taking things out of that situation. So I, at one point was like, somebody was like, dude, you're a rock star. You do celebrities hair. And they're like, we need to do this like piece on you. So the guy came out with a camera and I was like, I want to do hair ambush where we go on the street and I find a guy that doesn't have, uh, what were we talking about? Doesn't do it right. Remember you're saying doesn't do it right. So you got the guy who's out there and he's wearing the sketcher shoes and he's got a vest on and he's great looking and his hair's frumpy and his outfit's off. So not a homeless guy, just no. a regular guy on the street. Yes. And that's, that was the original intention with you on the street with cameras. Yes. Okay. I want to go help this dude and get him a job. You All know right. what I mean? Get him uh, a promotion or like, you know, have a good Tinder profile or whatever it is. Just right. I want to help a dude out and I want to do it quick because I can do it quick. So we went out. You know, Skechers one of my sponsors on my oh, podcast. Oh, really? Right? No, okay. not. I'm not. I don't oh, good. Any, I, well, maybe I don't have any sponsors, so you were okay. Well, Skechers. They, they never will be. So but. my daughter wants Skechers. I was like, Uh-oh. wait, what? Why do you want Skechers? So they're doing something right, you know. Okay. okay. But anyways, um, so I, I we went out and we shot a businessman on his lunch break, and I hooked him up, and he went from not to hot in in a couple okay. minutes, right? And he, I saw him walk off back to work and he was walking tall and proud. And we were just like looking at him going, wow, that was amazing. And then we did a, uh, a skateboarder kid that had a bad hat and was like frumpy. And he was kind of a drug addict. And I hooked him up and that was kind of like transcending into hmm, drug addict kid kind of, from, you know, needing some help. And then we went by U-Haul. And there was a homeless guy on the side and the guy who was shooting was like that dude right there. And I was like, okay, cool. And I I ran over there and he was a Mexican guy and the people in the neighborhood knew him and they were like, and the woman at the U-Haul was like, yeah, this guy over here. And so we went over and we did it and I was like, do you want a haircut? And he was drunk and he was like, no, 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 no. And then everybody was like, started circling around and they were like, yeah, do it, do it. And the guy was like, no. And they were talking to him and then we did it and I helped him out and, um, it was a makeover and we filmed it and it was great. I went home and nothing came of it. And then uh, I think I was scrolling through Instagram and uh, I saw Mark Bustos, who's in New York City, and he was already tapped into this. Great guy. Yeah. And he came out and I, I've met him and mm-hmm. I was like, bro, how do you do it? What do you do? How do you do it? What do you do? You know, and he's like, bro. Just... I interviewed him right here. Oh, did you? He was sitting in the chair that you're sitting in That's right now. That's awesome. Incredible. So. I was like, bro, what are you doing? He was so humble. And I was like, oh, my God, I want what he has. And then he called me and he's like, bro, I'm here for Thanksgiving. You want to go to a haircut? And I was like, yeah. And we did it. It was just amazing. And uh, but before that, back up, because that was later on. But but I was sitting home and I was like, I had that like burning desire to go and do these haircuts. And then I called my business partner that we were working on the men's groomer stuff. And I was like, bro, I'm going out to Hollywood Boulevard. I'm going tomorrow. I just came back from Sally's Beauty and I bought cordless clippers, which was a blessing because they didn't have good cordless clippers. And now this day and age they do. And I spent, you know, like three, 400 bucks on cordless clippers. I put a whole set together and I grabbed some gloves and some disinfectant stuff. And, and I put in a backpack and I called my business partner and I was like, dude, I'm going out tomorrow. And I said, look, I'm going out with or without you. And, uh, it's not going to be pretty. And I know it's not for you, but, uh, 
I'm, I'm going to go. And he's like, dude, I've been with you since the beginning. He's like, what time? I'll see you there. And we parked under Hollywood and Orange in the parking structure. And we came out with our backpacks. And I was like, follow me. And I had done club promotions, so I'm not afraid to approach people in the street. And I bought drugs in all of these places where I'm definitely not afraid of anybody. Mm-hmm. And I can read the room. And I know if a dude's looking at me sideways or if he's not mentally secure – I don't know if that's the right word, but, uh, and I, you know, I, I don't approach everybody the same way. I kind of like, I'm a people person and I'm like, I go up to him and I start talking to him and, and I'll see him staring off and I'll stare off and I'll start talking to him about how long you've been out here. What's your story? Do you want a haircut? And a lot of them will be like, yeah, a lot of them will be no, and I'll move on. But that's how it started was with my clippers and my buddy, my business partner filmed it. And it's been important to me not to exploit. You know, it's kind of a a tricky uh, line that I walk on. Um, And I think I just, you know, emulate Mark, what he does. And it's, I mean, my heart's in the right place always. And it's a sensitive subject and I don't, you know, and, and what's interesting is my lane is the recovery side of things. And I was taught how to go after the disease of alcoholism and addiction because I spent a lot of time in rehabs and I've learned the language and I know what to look for. So a lot of the times I just, uh, will go right after the disease and, um, I'll ask them, Hey, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? I'm not trying to drag somebody to rehab. I'm looking for somebody that wants help. And I mean, this homeless problem here in LA is completely overwhelming. 65,000 homeless people last time I checked and tent cities popping up everywhere and there's trash and there's, there's good people and there's bad people and, you know, or people that are making bad decisions, I should say, cause I made bad decisions. I wasn't a bad person, but I was, I was making bad decisions based on needing what I needed in order to feel healthy. You know, when you get hooked on drugs and alcohol, it's the only thing that's getting me through the day until you can actually completely get off on drugs and alcohol. So you know how that when the cops pull you over and the guy's drunk, they throw him in the drunk tank. They don't try and talk to him, you know, and, and talk sense into him till the right. next day. Right. So a lot of the times I'll like leave my number and I'll be like, Hey dude, you're a good looking dude. You look amazing, you know, and it'd be great if you can get a job. It'd be great if you could get your life back together. And here's my number. Give me a call. And I wait for people to call me. And a lot of people don't call. A lot of people also will be like, I'm ready to go. And so I'm trying to, so those, those that have called you, then what? What's the next step? So that's where I'm at a standstill a bit. I'm trying to figure this all out, but I'd love to create some funding to get – there's a few nonprofits. This one that I'm working with now, it's a nonprofit uh, recovery place that's a 12-month program. And they're also growing their facility where a lot of head funds, clients – we're all affiliated with wealthy people and mm-hmm. they want to donate and they're donating money to fund people that don't have insurance because it's the whole recovery it's world. Expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. And it's also, it's a lot of craziness because a lot of people are trying to capitalize on it's big on business. The, yeah. Big yeah. business. But is it real recovery? And yeah. that's what I know. I can mm-hmm. see real recovery when I see it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm into is like if a person needs help and they don't have money, I can take them to the place of my choice. And that's what the men's groomer product line is, is trying to do. And, you know, eventually, you know, working with people like you and, and other people. I'm, and, and I'm just a drug addict. Dude, I'm not a saint. Like I said before, I don't have the ins and outs of this big problem of homelessness and mental illness. And I know it goes back to politics and all that stuff. And I'm just doing what's in front of me one cut at a time. You know what you remind me of? What's, what's, remember that, that, that story about the little kid who's walking down the beach and there's all the starfish that got washed up and oh. they got stranded on the beach. And so he's walking down the beach, you know, one by one, throwing yeah. them back into the ocean. And some man stops him and says, what are you doing? He's like, well, look at all these starfish. He's yeah. like, look at them. There's there's thousands. There's no way you can make a difference. And he yeah. picks up a starfish and he throws it in the ocean. Yeah. He said, <laughs> made a difference with that one. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. There's 65,000 people listening to this thinking, 65,000. Yeah. Jason, yeah. well, what can you do? Yeah. 
and you you're, gotta, d- you're just one at a time. Yeah, something's got to change. And I feel like if we all throw a starfish in, yeah, we can really make a difference. So you you sometimes you show up with stuff that you give away. So you know supplies. Yeah, coats, blankets, toothbrushes. What what are you showing up with, and where are you getting the stuff? Okay, so it started with me doing a Thanksgiving piece, and I went to the grocery store, and I bought the turkey, and I bought the cranberry, and I rented a table, and and I did all this, and I came out of pocket, and and then I was like, just like everything else, just kind of unfolded, snowballed, and I had a friend say, "Why don't you do an Amazon?" registry and i was like oh i kind of know what that means because we had a wedding and we had a registry (laughs) (laughs) you and your wife got stuff that way yeah and so so i was like oh registry okay cool so like and he said we can put on on our thing to help the homeless we can pick out and i was like send toothbrushes send socks send underwear how how did you promote that just through your Um, social media everything that i've done has gone through the men's groomer uh, or jason schneiman on facebook but it's been the men's groomer on instagram and so you put it out there i've got this amazon registry and this is what i need yep link is in my bio so you can go to the front of my page you can tap on it and it'll take you right to amazon and you can see what the stuff is all the things that you Yes, you designated I need you to help me purchase these things because I'm hitting the streets and I got to fill up my truck. Yeah, and I talked to the homeless and I'm like, what do you really need? You know, what kind of response did you get? And donations. Oh, the first time we did it, it blew us away. And I and I never know how these events are going to be. See, the other thing is, I put up on my Instagram, please, estheticians, hairstylists, barbers, people, come out. You know what I mean? Doctor services, whatever, come up, show up. Whatever you can do, talk to people. And I show up to these events a little in fear. I'm like, is it going to be 75 non-homeless people or is it going to be, you know, 80 people that are homeless and three barbers? You know what I mean? Right. And so you never know the balance. But every time I show up, it's it's perfect the way it is. So um, it's crazy. It's and perfect the way it is. Yeah. It's just perfect the way it is. It's And you know what? Even if it was 80 – uh, homeless people and me, it would be fine because I would do what I can do. And but the thing is, is so I put it up on my Instagram, the men's groomer, and Facebook, Jason Schneidman, and people send stuff. And it was showing up to my garage, and I loaded it in my big '64 Chevy pickup, and I tied it down, and I drove out. I looked like Sanford and Son, you know, it was piled right. high, all this <laughs> stuff. And then I show up, and everybody's just so stoked. They're just yeah. Where, where, where do you see this going? What's your hope? Well, I'm excited. Like you said, you got to put it out there. So use use my platform, put it out there. Yeah. So 2019, I feel is going to be a great year. I'm here with you. And I just met maybe 30 barbers that uh, I said 2019 is going to be a great year. And I'm going to use you guys. And they all put their hands up and they were fired up. So I think we can really grow this with doing hair. A lot of these shelters and these uh, local resources have medical attention. They have shower vans. They have HIV testing. They have food. They have uh, placement. They're doing cell phone. They're doing uh, DMV records, but they can't get hairstylists. Mm-hmm. And they're hurting for mm-hmm. that side of it. And so that would be the easiest part of the whole equation. Yeah, but it's not. And, no. uh, and getting people to show up. So I'd no. like to be the Pied Piper there huh. with your help. <laughs> um, and then also um, growing my brand, the men's groomer, so we can actually do like a homeboy uh, thing where, you know, I have a warehouse full of making products and, uh, and we can actually employ some people there. And a lot of the funding can go like a Tom's type thing. And then also, uh, you know, getting people back into housing and getting people into recovery that are willing. And, and I don't know where it's going, man. We're just going to, we're going to wing it. 2019 is going to be great. A lot of people listening to this have, What's going to prevent them or one of the things that's going to prevent them is just fear. It's not safe out there. Mm-hmm. What, what's your advice? Even, even if they personally aren't out there, there's so many. I, I'm, I work with a couple of different organizations mm-hmm. within downtown L.A. and Skid Row yeah. that, that serve the need there. Yeah. I mean a lot of people ask how, to, how do you do it and I – it goes back to safety and sanitation, which I was taught in right. hair school. And I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, right. but, but it really does come down to that. And I find like 
people don't know how to read people. So it's better if you got a couple of people together and you just go out and, and you talk to some people, other people that look dodgy. You might not talk to them and, and they may come around after. Um, but yeah, I mean, just going out and trying it, talking to people and taking people with you. Yeah. Um, you have a, a favorite story that you like to tell of, of somebody that you met on the street? And I, I, in the videos yeah, that I saw of you, you're, while, while you're doing their hair, you're you're talking to them about their drug use and what's yeah. going on. I mean, you're very yeah. you don't dance around that topic at all. No, I'm I'm very much after the disease that I spoke of. Like I don't I don't judge people. <laughs> Some people don't know what that means. You're you're very much after the disease. Okay, so I know that if an addict uh, mouth is moving, they're probably full of crap. Okay, so I don't care so much about their – okay, so what they've been doing has been getting them bad outcome. So change what you're doing, get a different result. So that's what I'm about, okay? Helping them do something different to get a different result. And so my favorite story – or not my favorite, but one of my stories is this guy Cody – that I met and I was in New York city doing the Grammys with James Corden. He was hosting the Grammys and I brought my stuff with me and I went out into the city and, and so um, there you are to do the Grammys. Yeah. But then you're hitting the streets to find find the homeless at the same time. Oh yeah. I mean, you can only shop in New York city for so long to fix you. I was like, I'm going to go take my backpack and, and do some. Well, you've already defined that that's what you need. That that's what fixes you. That's what keeps you clean and sober. That's what's helped you sleep at night. Yeah, dude, it feels amazing. And so I, I took my stuff and I was like, where am I going? It's really cold out here. I think I'm going to hit the subways because it's a little, little less wet and warmer. So I'm traveling down the escalator and at the bottom of the escalator, there's a dude with a sign that says, too ugly to prostitute, too honest to steal. <laughs> and I look at him and I was like, want a haircut? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you got clippers? And I was like, yeah, I got everything. And he's like, let's do it. And so Cody, his name's Cody. We walk off into the thing and he's like, uh, he's like, dude, I'm so hungry as we're walking. So I'm like, there's a pizza place. I buy him a slice of pizza. I have a slice of pizza because that's what you do in New York. And uh, we post up right in front of the, in the subway and the cops are, are circling the subway. And I'm like, we're doing it here. And he's like, right here, man. And I'm like, yeah. Why not? Let's see what happens, you know? So I pulled the pizza chair out into the subway area and I'm cutting and we're halfway through the haircut. He's telling me that his brother had died from Oxycontin and recently OD'd in front of him and that he's sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I could see it on his face and he was like, bro, this is just so tiring. I'm so done. I've been out here for 10 years or seven years. I think it was 10 years. And I could see it and I, and I could relate because I know because I had been there myself. And so cops come up and they're like, what are you doing? You can't do this here. You can't do this in there. And I was like, okay, we're moving. So me and Cody walk and I continue to talk to him more about, you know, his maybe getting him sober and that kind of thing, helping him out. We go up to the street and we're right in the middle of what's that area. I guess Penn station up, up on the street. And, uh, and we finish the haircut. People are surrounding and they're videoing. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the video, I say, you know, you're a good looking dude. And, I, you know, I, I want to see you succeed. And I gave him my number. And he uh, f- was on Facebook following me. And we were uh, talking to each other a little bit. Every so often he'd go into a library because he didn't have a cell phone. He would check his Facebook and he'd send me a message. And then a girl on Facebook was like, that dude's a piece of crap and, and you know, what are you doing helping him? He robbed me here and there. And I said, explained to her uh, openly in, on my Facebook, I responded to this girl and I said, look, I said, we'll steal from our grandmas and our loved ones and we will do whatever it takes to get what we want. And that doesn't make it right. And I said, hopefully one day he can make an amends to you by paying you back. And everybody responded on Facebook like, wow. I took a stand, you know, in the open to respond to this girl and I'm not giving up on this dude 
because he's a human that's made bad decisions based on drug use. So he called me. He thought that was huge that I'd stood up for him and he trusted me and he called me and he said, I am taking a bus across country and I'm going to detox off heroin myself. I might die on the way. And, and I said, you call me every stop on the Greyhound. And he called me all the way across and I picked him up downtown LA and I set up a place, uh, a detox and I took him to the recovery place that I went to. And, uh, he stayed for a couple months. He left. He went back out and he's going in and out and I'm not giving up on him. You know, he called me yesterday and, and I said, dude, I'm trying to figure out how to get you into a place. He wants to be a hairstylist too. <laughs> and I, I, I hope I don't get the call from him that he's dead or in jail. And I'm like, I keep telling him, I'm like, dude. And I took him back to this recovery place and, and he couldn't detox there. He wanted to do it his way. And so I'm going to give him another chance and I'm trying to figure out funding to get him into a detox and then into a place. And he says he's ready. So we'll keep trying, you wow. know. Good for you. Yeah. Jeez. What does your wife think of all of this? She is on board and I have to balance it. Does it you know? scare her a little bit? Yeah. I think yeah. she's a little scared. Yeah. I think so. You got two young kids. Yeah. I mean, they come out to the events and, and it's amazing and I'm teaching them good stuff and they see it and they know, I mean, this other day, a woman, uh, walked by with a big blanket that we were giving out and she was so happy and my kids saw her and she was like, last night I was sleeping on a, on cardboard and tonight I get to sleep on this big fluffy, fluffy blanket. She ran off and the kids got to see that. Our kids are watching. They're listening. My my daughter made me circle the block the other day in search of a homeless woman that she has seen. Yeah. And we finally found her and got out of the car and we had a package ready to give to her and it was, but this was my daughter's idea. She's wow. six. Wow. Yeah. But they, they listen. Yeah. It's, it's scary to them. And they're like, what is this? You know, like they don't, they don't get it. They don't get the concept of money and work when they're that young. Mm-hmm. So. Dang. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you. It all comes out. <laughs> yeah, it does. You, you can I talk. Like, I know. I didn't realize. <laughs> no, How long have you been talking? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But it's been, wow. Yeah. I, the only reason why I can talk is because it's, it's my experience. About. And, and it's my experience. You know, it's easy to talk about. I lived it. I'm, I'm living it right now. And, and I am passionate about being in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. to maybe change somebody's life. Wow. Jason, do you have a final message for our listeners? Um, well, I think I just said it. I mean, I want to be in the right place at the right time to maybe change somebody's life. And, um, God, I just don't know. I don't, I don't have a profound message really. It's like, I just, you've been sharing one for the last hour plus. Yeah. It's profound. Today is one of those days where I wish Masters was video so people could see you. You're like jumping out of your chair. You're like all over the place, man. While you're talking, you are just, you are animated. And, and I mean, this is real authentic for you. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy this now. Definitely. I hope 2019 we can just keep growing. Well, thanks, Jason. Thank you so much. I'm going to help you get the word out. Nice. Thank you. Thank you very much for what you do. It's a pleasure. Thank you.